Welcome to the Sovereign Love Stream podcast with your hosts, Danny and Vanessa Panzella Velez. Join us and special expert guests as we discuss love, sex, parenting, psychedelics, and spirituality. Please subscribe now and join us bi-weekly on Sundays at SovereignLoveStream.com for our live video broadcast. Please check out our social media on censorship-free platforms like Minds.com, Float.app, and Odyssey.com. Find links to all of our social media at SovereignLoveStream.com. If you would like to support our show with an energy exchange, please visit us at Patreon.com slash SovereignLoveStream. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sovereign Love Stream. Hello. Happy Sovereign Sunday. Thank you for joining us. I'm already exhausted. We haven't even started the episode yet. But in preparation for this episode, we've had a lot of really um, intense emotional discussions. And um, I guess especially because I'm dealing with the emotional issue of guilt from my divorce. Um, it's been really difficult. And this morning, preparing for this episode, I feel like was really, really difficult. Like I didn't even want to do it. Um, we're committed to the, to the podcast. We're committed to having these discussions. So um, obviously I wasn't going to back out of doing the episode, but I felt exhausted. Like I didn't want to do it. And the reason is because um, well, it's twofold. One, I'm I'm going to be really vulnerable here and share some things that I've been feeling deeply inside. And so um, that's hard. It's hard to do, especially over the internet, because I feel like we're really insensitive over the internet. And I actually want to talk a little bit about that first. And I may go into a little bit of a rant and I apologize in advance for that. But I feel like I have to get this off my chest before I can kind of flow into the, the topic today. So I get that I have a lot of opinions that can seem controversial, right? I'm routinely called a conspiracy theorist. I know a lot of you probably are also experiencing that as well. Um, Right-wingers call me a leftist and left-wingers call me a right-winger, you know? <laughs> um, you can't please everybody. I, and I can't seem to please anybody. And I think to a certain degree, some of that is my fault. Like I, a lot of times I wanna play the devil's advocate and kind of give the opposing view. Um, but over the last two days, um, I've been having this conversation in my neighborhood Facebook group. We have a Facebook group for the neighborhood. And, you know, a lot of the people in the Facebook group are very scared of COVID. And I get that. I understand the fear. But I have tried to just be like a voice of reason from the start of the pandemic, um, offering, trying to offer a counterbalance. And I, again, I will confess that I'm not always perfectly empathetic and Although I refuse to call names or engage in that kind of like back and forth, um, yeah, sometimes I'm I get sarcastic, especially when like I've got a whole group of people like just throwing all th throwing all these things at me, trying to prove me wrong. 
And it's not even about being right. Again, I'm just trying to offer a counterbalance. So anyway, in the group uh, yesterday, I posted a meme that the point of the meme was like, yeah, we need to eat healthy. And that's one of the better defenses against COVID than wearing masks. Or really, it was kind of like calling out the hypocrisy, right? If you're running around eating McDonald's and drinking, lowering your immune system through the toxic garbage that you're putting in your body, and then screaming at people in public, like people in this Facebook group have been calling for police to enforce masks. They want people arrested or ticketed if they're not wearing masks. And for me, as a cop watcher, I know that cops will sometimes use nuisance laws like that to harm people. And there are people in my neighborhood being beat up by police because they weren't wearing masks. This is happening. You can Google it in Bed-Stuy and Flatbush. This has been happening. So from the beginning, I came out against that. And they interpreted that as, oh, you don't think people should be wearing masks. And then I was labeled, I'm an anti-vaxxer. I don't believe in science. You know, they basically... Um, they just, so now my opinion on anything is discredited because of this. Anyway, I've had these like trolls just like calling me names. And then what they did was they took a, a screenshot of one of my comments and made it the banner image of the neighborhood Facebook group. And I'm like, then they're calling me the bully. They're calling me a bully and a terrorist for trying very <laughs> politely, as politely as I can until I start to lose it, right? After being harassed for a day and called all these names you know, yeah, sometimes I'll lose it a little bit. And I'm like, all right, you're an asshole. You're getting blocked. So, which is understandable because a lot of these people will block for a lot less. So anyway, that's kind of my rant. I, I guess the point is that we can be nicer to each other on the internet, right? We don't have to attack when we disagree with things. We don't have to make it this personal thing and villainize people for their opinions. Even if their opinions are the complete opposite of yours, even if you're your opinion, you think their opinion is, you know, completely baseless. We don't have to treat people like they're animals. And so the way I was treated over simply saying that maybe it makes sense to eat healthy and be more worried about that than screaming at your neighbor because they aren't wearing a mask when they're walking by themselves down the street, right? I get wearing masks in crowds or wearing masks when you're having a conversation to stop the saliva from... I get that, right? But to one lady was bragging about the fact that she tried to have a security guard fired from a supermarket. Like this is a minimum wage employee and she wants to to strip him of his income because he's not wearing a mask and she thinks he should. That's what I'm like trying to counterbalance. And I'm trying to be as polite as possible because I already know my opinion is going to be controversial, so I have to like be perfect in my communication or else it, it's just completely dismissed. So for me to share things about the guilt that I have about my divorce, it's like after being treated like that, I feel. It's heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> and it feels. And look, maybe I'm just whining, right? Like there are greater problems in the world, but this is what I'm feeling right now. And if I'm going to share my thoughts and feelings about something very personal and deep, then I'm just, I guess what I'm asking for is please treat the topic with respect. And if you have comments, please share your comments. I would just ask that you not be a jerk about it, right? I think what tends to happen is that when people are on the internet, they forget, it's, it's very um, 
it's less personal. So you're on the internet, you don't know who you're speaking to, you probably would not say these things in person. If we were having a conversation with somebody in, in person, you wouldn't, they wouldn't react the way they do on the internet. It's much easier to allow your um, darker inner feelings to expose themselves when you're on the internet because you're behind a screen, you're probably never gonna see this person. Even in our neighborhood group, we, don't recognize the people that we're interacting with on the group. We, um, there are, you know, tons of people, thousands of people in our neighborhood. So how could we know exactly who is, is, um, who we're interacting with? And so it's a lot easier. Um, I've worked in social, social media for many years. I've seen the worst of the worst in, in terms of what people will say on the internet. Um, and I can, and, and this was one of the things that I've told Danny in the past that our neighborhood Facebook group is not a representation of our experience in the neighborhood, because the truth is we've never had anybody scream at us. We've never had anybody be like outright nasty to us for having a different opinion. The truth is, um, and this is where uh, Danny and I have very different experiences on social media because I know this about it, because I know that social media can bring out the worst. I've chosen to only engage in groups in which I have things in common with people. I like my Facebook experience is completely different from Danny's experience. I have I've joined groups of, of um, spiritual groups. I've joined groups of people who are into plants. My Facebook feed is memes and plants, and and it's an enjoyable experience. Um, I know that there are people out there that have different opinions, and we've mentioned this I think last week or the week before, where the truth is we have a lot more in common with our neighbors than than the things that are separating us. But Facebook brings out those differences so vividly, so emphatically that we believe that we are against the world. And it's easy to keep us separated that way. Um, So my, my way of approaching social media is to not engage in topics that require an in person conversation. Um, It, it, is pointless. Um, Things get blown out of proportion. It's almost impossible to understand the tone of a comment, uh, the tone of a conversation. And so it it seems um, that things can get out of hand very quickly. And chances are you could probably meet this person at a coffee shop and have a nice conversation with them. You know what's funny (laughs) is that I, the, the one guy that's really like viciously attacking me, I mean, calling me names that like I probably would have been embarrassed to say in high school, right? When you're like at your adolescent worst. <laughs> anyway, I was thinking like maybe I should invite him to coffee. He, I mean, he threatened to punch me. He like, he like made a comment about wanting to punch me and that I was a bully for expressing that people should eat healthy. I don't know. Anyway, um, there was another post where a friend of mine was being attacked for posting information, questioning vaccines, questioning vaccines, questioning the new COVID vaccine, that there's some shady stuff happening. I don't know, I haven't looked into it, but something about um, uh, overriding genetic code, the new vaccine has some RNA or something. I haven't researched it yet, so I don't really wanna speak about it. One of her friends, this is her friend. This is someone she knows in person. Someone she grew up with was like, do you just post any garbage you find on the internet? I was like, 
this is the way you treat your friend. Like I actually asked the person for sources too. I was like, I don't see this. Can you, can you give me some sources for this? Cause it was like one of those shared posts. Sometimes people just share posts without really fact checking. So I was interested in fact checking it too. This girl wanted to fact check it and fine, nothing wrong with that. But why be so nasty? I very politely asked this person who I am also friends with in real life. Oh, can you give me a source for that? Like why attack your friends? Why assume the worst? People think that I just want people to die from COVID because I question the official corporate media narrative. It's it's such a, a leap of, of logic to get there. But I don't want to take up too much time. We've already spent like 10 minutes on this. So <laughs> yeah, yes, thank you. And um, post that comment right before that. I think that's an, a good comment too. Yeah, we are ultimately all connected. No matter what your religious belief is or spiritual beliefs are, we are all connected. Whether we're all God's children, if you're a Christian or whatever, or if you're into the more kind of Buddhist or new age concept of we're all part of the same consciousness, it's really the same thing conceptually, right? We're all connected. We're all a part of each other. Why are we attacking each other over this stuff? And you know what? I'm not perfect, but I mean well. My intentions are good. I want people to be healthy. I'm, I'm telling them, don't just wear the mask. Eat healthy too, right? Like you'd think I was saying that the Holocaust didn't happen the way they react. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so the topic. So that brings us into this week's topic, which <laughs> is <laughs> um, guilt, carrying guilt, and how um, different forms of guilt can become barriers within um, a romantic relationship. But honestly, I think it's a barrier in any relationship. Um, so where do we get started? <laughs> well, I guess I think I will just talk about my guilt. So I grew up a born again Christian. My mother was, my dad wasn't, but my mother was very strict and devout. And my parents were divorced. And my mom was fixated on this idea that one day my dad would find God and come home and we would be a family again. Um, she always said, God hates divorce, God hates divorce, God hates divorce. So I was married for, I don't even remember how long. I was with her for probably a total of almost 20 years. Um, we've since we were young and we were in high school when we got together and as we grew we grew separately um we both had emotional issues a lot of repression um which is comes from a lot of that religious programming and i'm not against jesus at all because i am definitely a follower of christ i i don't call myself a christian anymore but i'm uh, a follower of christ for sure um, so we, we both had issues that we just couldn't work them out. You know, life sometimes is not perfect. And there were, there were things we couldn't get over. And so ultimately we ended up getting divorced, but I always kind of have, and my mother passed away 10 years ago before the divorce. So, um, as a matter of fact, my mother's death played a role in me 
like coming to realize like I can't continue to waste time in this relationship that it, it doesn't seem to be healing. It doesn't seem to be getting any better if we're not if we're not willing to put in the work to do it. And I think that's one of the things that I have guilt about that I've had to have had to really release. Right. I certainly didn't put in all the work to that relationship that I could have. Right. But the other partner also has to be willing to do that work. And, you know, not to judge her for not, I wasn't ready to do the work. She wasn't ready to do the work. It just didn't happen. I don't want anybody to think I'm blaming her because I'm not. Um, we both have childhood wounds that we need to heal from that I'm on this show every week talking about how I am trying very hard to, to heal from these wounds. Um, and so I'm not casting any blame on her. It's just, this is the way it, it ended up, right? We got a divorce. Well, in the back of my mind is my mom's voice. God hates divorce. God hates divorce. And so I felt guilty about the fact that I didn't do everything I possibly could to make it work, or I didn't just suffer through it for the sake of my son, right? Like staying together so that for the sake of the kids. Um, those are things that I've had to deal with. And Vanessa has really helped me to be able to see those things, right? Like for Xander to grow up in a loveless marriage where we just stayed together for the sake of um, uh, the optics, right? For like- For the word? sake of the contract or the- just, just for like appearances, basically, right? Like we were basically just friends or roommates. We didn't have a bad relationship where we hated each other. We were fighting. It just was more of a friendship than anything else. And so I feel like it was right for, it's, it would be better for Xander to see, to have a loving relationship, a close, intimate, vulnerable relationship. Um, for him to see that, I think is better for his development than just living in that nuclear family of his biological parents, right? Um, that's at least our point of view on this. And and obviously to the to the point where we've made a conscious effort to have a a, really, a close relationship with the three of us as parents. Um, not just that Danny and I are together as a couple and that's what you know Xander gets to see. We are very conscious to be um, very grateful and considerate of his mother. Um, we're conscious of of him seeing that, seeing um, the gratitude that his dad has for his mother, that that friendship, that relationship that's still there. The fact that despite the fact that the marriage doesn't work out, they can still have a friendship. They can still co-parent peacefully. They can still. Um, you know, we all have a, a pretty nice relationship, I think, where oh, yeah. we've been able to have dinner together. We've spent some holidays um, on certain occasions together. And so it, it's it's been something that allows for him to see um, a greater family as opposed to perhaps being in a, in a household where his parents aren't really as close as um, you as as he gets to see now. Right. I mean, we're. I think your relationship has actually improved with your ex-wife um, since the since the divorce as well, and so yeah. there's uh, there's more of a, something else modeled now that is probably healthier for him to see. Yeah, and and part of the way we healed that and were able to get past the kind of initial awkwardness of getting divorced and then me having a new girlfriend 
um, being in a new relationship. And I think Xander was definitely um, integral to that, right? I mean, I, I guess obviously, because most likely if, if I didn't have Xander, we wouldn't, we wouldn't still be in each other's lives. But because we are in each other's lives um, and we have all made an effort for in Xander's best interest, um, you guys have become friends and you guys text each other more than <laughs> I even text her. I mean, so that's, and that's great. And the the way we got to that point was being vulnerable. I share things with my ex-wife, um, feelings that I had about our marriage, um, things about how I felt I was treated, um, that I was hurt by. I apologize for a lot of things that I did to hurt her, you know, um, I mean, in many ways, we've included her in the healing process. And that has been, you know, whether or not she, um, you know, it's not like she's in all of our conversations. But as we've been as we've worked through things, um, we've both been able to communicate with her about things that we're healing and um, how she plays a role into that. And I mean, I think that that's beneficial to her as well. I think it's helpful in, in some ways. Um, I don't know how much of that is is like part of, of her reality or, or a major part of, of how, of her healing. But, um, it's, it definitely creates a situation, a relationship between all of us where we are all vulnerable with each other. We're able to talk things out. And once we kind of explored that vulnerability, that made our relationship a lot closer, I think for the three of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, you know, I forgot. I wanted to cue up the clip from The Office. Oh. <laughs> so this week I realized um, Vanessa loves The Office <laughs> and, you know, I enjoy it too. Um, and she had this episode on. And if you know the characters, um, Jim and Pam were like a long-term couple. But in the beginning of the show, the first couple of seasons, they weren't together. They liked each other, but they always kept missing each other. When one was single, the other wasn't. And it was weird. And so... Jim moves away and be because she doesn't want to be with him or she's not available at the time. So he moves away because he feels like, all right, I tried to ask her out twice. She rejected me twice. Let me just get out of here so I can get over her. Um, I don't want to see her every day at work. Then he come, eventually he comes back. But that part of their friendship, the, the thing that made them want to be together was kind of missing. And it was because Jim had closed himself off um, because of the the hurt that he felt. As a defense mechanism. It was a defense yeah. mechanism, right. So he closed himself off. And I realized in that moment, like, I got so emotional that, like, I started to well up and, and like, tears came to my eyes. And I realized that I had, I've done the same thing. Um, being in a relationship that I was so invested in, I was within it for almost 20 years and put a lot of work into it and it failed, I realized that there are still, even now, even after all the work we've been doing and a lot of it we've bared <laughs> on this show, and we do that because we hope that it resonates with somebody else that if our stories touch you and you can get something, anything from it, then great. And maybe we're just, you know, talking, but. <laughs> Either way, it's therapy for us. We hope it's therapy for you. Um, even with all the work that I've been doing on this front, I realized, yeah, I still have blockages. 
And those blockages, those those defense mechanisms keep me from being completely vulnerable with Vanessa. And when you're not vulnerable, you can't feel the depth, the true depth of love that exists. And we are, are both deeply committed to each other. We would not have gotten through all of that we have been through. <laughs> no. <laughs> we would not have been able to persevere and heal the way we have if we weren't in love. If, yeah. if we weren't truly and deeply in love. I am truly and deeply in love with you. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be my girlfriend. Oh, and I'll think about it. There's, no, there's nothing that I want to be a blockage. No defense mechanism. No, nothing that I've done to hurt her that I won't apologize for. Like, I don't want there to be anything separating us. I just want us to be, I want us to become one person, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what the, the Bible says that. The Bible talks about when people get married, they become one, the two become one. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's about getting a marriage license from the state saying you're married now, or even having a ritual with a priest saying you're married it's the commitment it's the love it's the the being willing to bear yourself completely and make yourself so vulnerable to somebody that you know what they could if they wanted to turn around and hurt you obviously as we've grown together and as we've been on this journey we've grown in a way where we trust each other yeah so i know that i can trust you not to intentionally hurt me of course, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We do do things to hurt each other, yeah. but we know there's a relative amount of trust. So, but it's still hard. Even with that trust, it's still hard to like be totally vulnerable at yeah. times, right? Like I didn't want to tell her about this argument where I'm basically <laughs> getting bullied in the neighborhood group because she'd be like, well, it's your fault because I was afraid. She would be like, it's your fault. Why are you even in that group? My news feeds all plants and funny memes. <laughs> so why don't you just make it so that your news feeds only plants and funny memes and then you won't have that problem. That's what my so like I was afraid to be vulnerable even about something silly like that. I was afraid to get blamed. That's my ego. I don't want to be criticized. I don't want to be criticized for being in this group trying to spread truth. So I'm just going to not say anything about it. Except he's walking around fuming. <laughs> I'm like I'm like that um, guy from Inside Out, um, Larry. The angry guy. The angry guy. Um, what's his name? Louis Black, right? I think that's his name. The guy that does the voice for the angry character, and he's always blowing his top. I even used that meme today. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like walking around. I'm like, I don't want to do this podcast today. I'm going to go on the internet, and people are going to bully me because I said eat healthy. Now I'm going to go and share deep intimate things about my feelings about my divorce and my relationship and people are going to crap all over it and look this this podcast is broadcast over the conscious resistance network which is a very woke um channel right and yet every week there are trolls talking garbage like saying that we're not good looking enough to have a podcast or making comments <laughs> like that it's like even on or like whatever. Yeah, I mean, these really intelligent and philosophical and, and channels, there's always going to be people like that. Do I want to do that? Do I want to subject myself to more abuse? But here I am. <laughs> Clearly you do. <laughs> Saying it anyway. Um, my hair malfunctioning, somebody's going to come on and make fun of my hair because it's malfunctioning. 
<laughs> well, look at mine. Um, I, I think that it's um, our society has taught us to not be vulnerable. As a matter of fact, when I was younger, my mom used to say that to me. Um, like, I guess I was in my teens or something and, and I had just started dating or something. And she was like, you know, don't ever let a man see you cry. Like <laughs> basically saying, don't be vulnerable. And it, it was like, you know, he'll have control over you. He'll know that he can do whatever he wants because you're, you know, you're in love and you'll be hurt by any little thing. And for a really long time, I was very sh closed off. I was not vulnerable in the beginning of our relationship. Danny was always like, you never tell me what you feel. You never express yourself. You keep everything inside. And it took a long time for me to finally be vulnerable. Then when I was vulnerable, he was like, I remember tone that. it down, <laughs> tone it down. Danny was too much. <laughs> she was like telling me every feeling she had. Like, Whoa, <laughs> the floodgates opened. I'm an empath, so I have a lot of stuff going on. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, it was he was like, you never tell me what you're feeling. You never uh, express anything. You just keep it all to yourself. And I had just learned that that was the way. Um, now that I've opened up, yeah, in the beginning, there, there was a bit of a learning curve. And um, Danny had a really hard time with all of my emotions. <laughs> um, but now we've kind of, I think, gotten to a, a pretty comfortable place. I mean, but that was because my ego felt like when you were having negative emotions ab right. about my behaviors or something that it was an attack or a criticism. So my ego was like, oh my God, all these feelings are like an attack on me. And that's the way it felt it. And so it took a while, took a couple of years for me to be able to integrate that. And there's still moments where my ego does like yeah. criticizing you. Don't and tell her about the argument. <laughs> and we've had conversations where, um, you know, it's, it's taken a really long time, but Danny has gotten to a place where we can have conversations and he has certain feelings where he'll say, oh, my ego is telling me this. You know, my ego is making me think that this is what's happening. And we can, you know, the fact that he can identify that is a huge step because now you recognize it's not really what I feel. It's this voice in my head telling me that you're criticizing me. Defend yourself. That you, I need to defend myself. We were talking last week. Um, we did the episode on uh, relics uh, uh, from our exes. And we were having a conversation about our exes. And... Danny was telling me a story and he was like, you know, my ego was kind of telling me like, oh my God, she's going to find out. She's going to find out. And he's like, but I'm telling her like, <laughs> there's nothing for her to find out because she knows everything. It's I had safe. This, yeah. I had this <laughs> feeling of like, oh my God, I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get caught. But I was like, I was telling her the feeling I was having. There was nothing to get caught about. It was the strangest thing. But it was so obvious. I was able to see it. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's my ego right now. It feels like it's it's being attacked. It's being reminded of times in the past when I was hiding things. Yeah. Right? Like, I was hiding things that I didn't want her to know because I didn't want her to criticize me. And that's the way my ego, my ego thought that's what was happening again. And I was like, no, it's okay, buddy. You're good. <laughs> we're being vulnerable. We're being open. We're having a conversation. Nobody's criticizing you. It's all, it's all right. You know? And I think, you know, that's a huge part of it is doing that, um, doing that internal work. We've talked a lot about that kind of internal work. The interesting experience that I had after seeing that episode of the office, having that feeling and realizing it, I also connected the dots to a couple of other events in my life where I felt rejected. 
right? My ego felt rejected by my first wife because I felt like she wasn't doing everything she could to make our marriage better. Um, it ultimately the core feeling was rejection. I'm not worthy to be to have that effort put in, right? My mom, when I first started dating my ex-wife, my mom idolized this girl and was like, she's the one, God chose her for you, she's perfect, and you need to be as good of a Christian as she is, you need to be as holy as she is so that you can be worthy of her. And my mom drilled that into my head. So, okay, now, now that's another rejection. I mean, we're gonna we're working backwards, but in fifth grade, I had a teacher and you know, look, I'm a sociable guy. I talk a lot <laughs> and I don't know, how old are you in fifth grade? About 10 years old, 11 years old? Yeah. Um, I like to talk in class. <laughs> I had a big mouth, I admit it. But this teacher was so nasty to me about it. And she ended up giving me my own seat in the back of the class away from everybody else by, next to the slop sink in the rear. So I was like basically ostracized as a 10 year old, 11 year old kid, whatever I was, that was pretty traumatic. And to this day, like I still remember, she gave me a compliment one time. I was doing this um, sculpture with clay and I wet my fingers to smooth the clay. And she was like, that's the smartest thing I've ever seen you do. <laughs> and I'm like, what a compliment, thanks. <laughs> That's the smartest thing you, I was in the gifted class. I was in the honors class, I mean. <laughs> That's the smartest thing you've ever seen me do. <laughs> but, so I realized there was this kind of string of rejection. And I also realized that maybe it was just my perspective or just the perspective of my ego, right? If my ego is interpreting Vanessa telling me she was hurt by something as an attack, on me, maybe my ego was interpreting things my mom said, things this teacher said, not really in the way that they meant it. So maybe it's not as bad as I think it was. So I was in that kind of like state in the early in the morning when you're first waking up, but you're not quite awake and you're really not asleep anymore, where I started to kind of go through these memories. Now, before we talk about that though, we watched um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes, right. We, we were watching <laughs> Eternal Sunshine the night before. Great movie. And really deeply delves into this topic. Um, so what they do in the movie is, if you haven't seen it, it's they break up, this couple breaks up, and they go for this medical procedure to erase the memories of each other from their, from their brain so they don't miss them anymore. They don't feel the pain of that relationship anymore. And what happens is, as the as he's going through the procedure, he's in his head and they're deleting memories and he's inside the memory and like the memory will start to degrade around him. So now he's like in some of the happy memories with her and he's like, oh, I don't wanna lose this memory. So he's like, they're running through their memories. It's very like stream of consciousness and surreal, trying to escape the deletion. Trying to hide the memories and other areas where yeah. they wouldn't be found. Right. And so what, what ends up happening is that they're like, well, what if we try to change the memory so that like to fix, so they, they, they're going through these memories and realizing mistakes they made in their relationship and how it could have been better had they not made those mistakes. So like, what if we try to redo it now within the mem the context of the memory? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so while I was in that kind of waking dream state, 
I started to go through these memories and I imagined the teacher saying maybe the same words, but I changed the tone of her voice to a sarcastic, oh, that's the smartest thing I've ever seen you do, to, oh my God, that's the smartest thing I've ever seen you do. That's that's a great technique. I just kind of tried to, tried to change the memory so that I could let go of the feeling of rejection and anger and unforgiveness that I held toward that teacher. I even thought about like reaching out, seeing if I could find her on Facebook. <laughs> She's gotta be like in her mid eighties by now. I mean, I don't know, but um, then I thought maybe I don't need to do that. I don't need to reach out. I'm not gonna be able to reach out to every person that's ever hurt me, but I can try to change the context of these memories so that I can let go and just forgive, mm -hmm. right? Even if she was being absolutely nasty and I'm just kind of deluding myself, you could say, right? Like, oh, you know, whatever. I can forgive her. I don't know what she was going through. You know, yeah. maybe she was going through a divorce at the time. Who knows? I don't know what was going on in her her life, personal life that she was being nasty to what I, what I perceived as being nasty to me. Maybe she was, maybe she was, she was just didn't have the patience for that season. I assume she was a terrible teacher. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe it was just like for a few months she was going through something. She had, maybe she was, you know, ill or something, had some kind of serious health issue she was dealing with. Who knows? But bottom line is I can forgive it. I can forgive it and I can let it go. I can no longer hold on to those feelings of, I can choose not to hold on to those feelings of rejection and make it a part of my story that, I'm less worthy because I was rejected by my fifth grade teacher. I'm less worthy because my mother thought my ex-wife was a better person than I am. I'm um, less worthy because of whatever, whatever those um, memories of rejection are. I can let it go. I can forgive them. And I can forgive myself for falling into it, for agreeing with them, for not agreeing with them, for being angry and rebelling totally against them and maybe unnecessarily, right? I can just apply love to the situation and let it go. And yeah, some, some people are saying it's a denial of truth. It, it's not, it's just a coping mechanism, right? Like I'm not denying the truth. I don't know the truth. I can't go back to that moment in time physically and and say, did I misinterpret her comment? Was she being nasty? Or did I just hear it that way because I was being I was defensive? I don't know. I can't travel back in time. So I don't know if it's a den denial of truth. But again, I can choose to let go of the negative feelings associated with it. <sighs> Breathe through it and just say, you know what? No matter what that teacher thought, no matter what my mom thought, I am a worthy person. I am, you know, I, I can love myself anyway. I am a child of God and I am worthy of love because we all are, no matter what our mistakes are, right? So I feel released now. Yay. <laughs> After talking that out, like I, I can feel like some of the heaviness lifting out of it. So, yeah. so maybe talk for a few minutes so that I can, <laughs> I can catch my breath. Um, I think that it it is necessary a lot of times to talk these things out. Um, 
one of the books that we've recommended many, many times, and we recommend to everybody that we come across, every couple, is a book called Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks. And it what this particular exercise is actually in the book, and you can do it with your partner. Um, and go through as many childhood traumas as you want, as many experiences. If you don't have a particular experience, you can um, just do a generalization, right? So there are some situations where Danny has memories of his mother not being fully present, right? Yeah. So we can have a, we can sit down. We can say, okay, for this exercise, I am your mother, and and he can say, and I am your child. I am this years old, um, and okay, and how do you feel? And kind of go through the memories. What does the house look like that you were growing up in? What does it feel like to be in there? What does your room look like? Kind of get into that frame of mind of when you were that age. And then as a parent ask, how do you feel about me? And he can say, you know, I feel like you're not giving me as much time as as I would like. I feel like you're not giving me attention. It seems like you're too busy for me or that I'm annoying you. And and, you know, I can ask him, and how does that make you feel? And, you know, I feel unloved. I feel frustrated. I miss you. And then I can sit there and, and um, mirror back to him what he's saying. I understand that you feel unloved. I understand that you miss me. And I can apologize to him and say, I'm sorry that I wasn't present for when you needed me. I There's no excuse. You know, I allowed my own things to to distract me or, you know, I didn't mean to not give you that attention, kind of go through the, the motions of allowing him to hear the things that he needed from his mother at the time. And obviously we're not in a delusion. I know I'm not his mother. I know he's not my <laughs> child. Um, but it it is a healing moment. Um, it's a therapeutic way to heal those childhood traumas and to also recognize as a partner, okay, these are things that hurt him as a child. And perhaps there are moments when I'm dismissive and that might be triggering for him. So how can I be more mindful so that I don't trigger those feelings or how can I help heal those things? So, you know, we gave this example, uh, um, in another episode where I like my alone time. I love to go just sit off by myself, maybe eat, sometimes watch TV. Sometimes I'm drawing, sometimes I'm, you know, reading, whatever it is. Uh, I do my own thing. And for a long time, it used to trigger Danny. And it was like, you're, you don't want to be around me. You're frustrated. And I had no idea that this was all associated with what he perceived from his mother years ago. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of worked around that where if I'm having my alone time, first of all, now he knows that it's not about him. I'm not running away from him. It's not that I don't want to be around him. I just, for me, I need my alone time. I grew up in an apartment with two siblings. I didn't have my own room when I was a child. So I always felt like I never had privacy. So as an adult, I value my privacy and my alone time so much. So if I'm going to go have alone time and, and, you know, read in the living room or something, I'll kiss him before I go. All right, I'm going to go read for a little while. Okay, I love you. And, you know, that's 
it's a way to um, help him get used to the idea of me having my alone time and that not meaning that I don't love him. And that will help reframe that in his idea. Somebody wants to be alone, somebody leaves. It doesn't mean that they don't love me. It doesn't mean it's a rejection of me. And it seems so basic as an adult. You're like, well, I'm a rational adult now. I know that, you know, like I, I, I know these things. But when you really think about it, a lot of times we have reactions that are not rational and we may not fully even understand why we have those reactions, why we're so triggered by certain things. You know, there's there's a reason why Danny gets triggered when people in our Facebook group are nasty to him because he, exper he experienced bullying as a child. So that feels a lot worse to him. You know, for me, I can I can see those comments on Facebook and I'm like, Facebook, it, you know, social media is like brings out the worst in people. I know not to take that personally, but I didn't experience the bullying to the degree that Danny did. And so that doesn't trigger me as much as it triggers him. And, you know, there are things in my life that trigger me that Danny's like, why are you so like hyped up about something? I mean, he'll sometimes he'll make a comment. Mm -hmm. And if I feel like he's saying I didn't do a good enough job or I didn't try hard enough, it triggers wounds from my own childhood because my, my parents were very strict and very hard on me and very like you have to do the best that you can if you get a 99 on a test why didn't you study hard enough to get a hundred if you got a hundred on a test why didn't you get the extra credit too you obviously didn't study hard enough and so it created this idea that it was never good enough so sometimes Danny will say something and it's just like a simple you know whatever comment and I take that to mean as like oh he thinks I'm not doing good enough and I get really irritated and I'm like, you know, why do you have to say that to me? And he's like, what did I say? <laughs> but these are just things that if you're not paying attention to, you will be just repeating these traumas over and over and over again, getting triggered by it, fighting over things that have absolutely nothing to do with what's actually happening in the moment. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the idea of the shadow work, right? Paying attention to what your subconscious mind is saying in the background while you're having an, an experience. So we're having an experience, she makes a comment, and in the back of my mind, my subconscious mind is saying, she's attacking, she's attacking. Defend yourself. And I get riled up. I don't even know why. Like, unless I'm paying close attention to, the, to that like small voice, that subconscious voice, I start to get riled up. What are you saying? You're attacking me? Why are you attacking me? Right? And we could just easily devolve into an argument. So one of the things that I, I wanted to kind of get back to the guilt aspect of, um, because one of the other tools to help overcome that is letting go of expectation or letting go of attachments, really. I had an attachment to this idea of like you, this kind of romantic idea, right? Like that you fall in love with your childhood sweetheart and you live together happily ever after and everything's perfect and you work out all your problems. And when that didn't happen, I felt like I failed, right? Or at least we failed, but like I failed. And it's that guilt of, like, you know, the other thing that I didn't mention was that my ex-in-laws never approved of our relationship. 
um, my ex kept me a secret from them for many years. We dated in secret. Um, and it wasn't until we were like, you know, we're, are we going to get married? Like what's going to happen at some point we have to like come out to your parents. And like, we were in our twenties when that happened. And so that again, being kept almost like a mistress made me feel unworthy. So that's kind of, in some ways I was being gaslit. Like I felt unworthy. My mother was telling me I wasn't worthy of her. My, her parents weren't telling me, were telling me I wasn't worthy of her. Like, I don't know if she ever really said that or embodied it. I know that she loved me, but there were certain attitudes about things that I needed to change. It was always, it always seemed like I was the one that needed to change so that the relationship issues would be solved. Like that's the way it came across to me. Um, again, that's my perspective and that perspective could be totally off. I was off about the perspective on my mom. So I don't know. Um, but that's the way it felt to me. So I had to let go of the attachment to that, right? Like now I'm, we're not married yet. Uh, or we're not married legally, but you know, we've been together for over seven years where we would be common law married almost. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I consider Vanessa, my wife, you know, my, my partner, if we need to define it like that. Um, so I've had, I let go of that. Um, I think now this, this week I kind of realized maybe I need to dig a little deeper and, and let go of it on a little bit of a deeper level. Yeah. There are definitely layers. Um, to these traumas or these ideas that we have um, kind of made our own, right? This this idea that you fall in love, you get married, and you stay together forever, no matter what, everything al always works out. But there's this idea that, um, you know, if in your case, you're saying, well, I didn't, I, I didn't do enough to make it work. And what if, um, you know, what if you had done enough? What if you had done more? What if, you know, what if your your wife had, you know, had not done more? Or what if you did all your shadow work or uncovering these childhood traumas and that still didn't make the relationship work? There are so many what ifs. It's impossible yeah. to know. There are so, so, so many possibilities out there. Um, and I think it is important to let go of those attachments because those, those attachments uh, don't allow you to live in the present. Right. We've had this conversation where Danny and I are like, you know, Danny's like, well, if we had if I had done all this work earlier, you and I could have met and come together and we wouldn't have had to do all of this work together. But that is the basis of our relationship. Not that we wouldn't have to do work together, but just that we wouldn't have had such a hard time. Exactly. And it's a romantic idea. But obviously the hard times we had brought us closer together, made our relationship deeper. So I do yeah. I do appreciate that. There's just moments that it's like, yeah, I wish it could be a fairy tale romance where we just came together, had no problems, were deeply in love, and lived happily ever after. That's what fairy right? tales are for. That's, that's the Disney <laughs> kind of Disney princess kind of thing, right? And it's unfortunate because then so many couples think that their relation, there's something wrong with their relationship. If they still have to do all this work, if there are traumas there, if there are barriers, if there's uncomfortableness in the relationship, there's this idea that it's like, oh no, I am doing something wrong. 
people are embarrassed to talk about their problems. You know, a, a lot of couples are afraid to, to talk about them having problems or, or... Or even go to therapy together. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm not going to therapy. There's nothing wrong with me. Therapy is, is so scary for people. It's like, oh my God, if we're going to therapy, then that means our relationship's basically over. And that's not the case at all. Um, we've gone to therapy together. We've done um, many different types of healing together. We continue to do the healing together. Um, Danny and I laugh because many years ago, in the beginning of our relationship, we used to talk about how we were going to write a book called Argue Naked. And it's already copywritten, so don't try and steal it. <laughs> and and it, the idea was, um, you know, at the time we just used to say it's really hard to argue when you're naked, right? Like if you're in bed together, completely naked, how you know, like it's hard. It's a lot harder to argue. Um, <laughs> it wasn't just argue naked; you had to be holding each other. Yeah, you had to be like so cuddling. Get naked and cuddle, and then try to argue. <laughs> and it's it's impossible. Um, and so we like. Like we take we take showers together almost every day, and it's it's really like a vulnerable place, right? To to be completely naked with your partner, and you know, like how can you argue? We have taught, we've had oh, some but of we our, do some of we have we've argued, argued in the even shower. In the shower. <laughs> uh, we get a lot of our discussions out yeah. in the shower. It really is like a therapy time together. That that because there's no only distractions. 10, 15 minutes, but yeah, there's no distractions. Yeah. We're just talking and talking very vulnerably. <laughs> that we should put that on the tool list. Forgive yourself. Let go of attachments and take showers together. Yeah, um, it's. I, I think it's so it's so helpful, and the fact that we get to do this work together um, is is makes our relationship a lot stronger. Um, we recently had a. Um, it, there was a, an argument in my family and Danny had this, this moment of being like, Oh no, the family's going to like break apart. And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. If it breaks apart, let it break apart. Let, let the dynamic of the relationship completely fall apart and we get to build it together again. It's okay. It's okay to have problems. It's okay to have arguments. It's okay to have fights. We've had our fair share of arguments and fights. But what wound up happening through a lot of those arguments, a lot of those fights, those discussions, those like breaking apart is that we did break apart all of these expectations, all of these old, um, agreements patterns, and patterns yeah. that we had old ideas that we had of what a relationship should be like that all completely broke apart fell crumbled into pieces i mean we went through the worst of the worst we broke our relationship down pretty much to ashes and then we've been slowly rebuilding it back up again and we get to rebuild it our way in a way that works for us in a way that that fits the dynamic that we have our way is not going to be everybody else's way and that's totally fine because we're undoing a lot we're unlearning a lot of the stuff that we've learned over the years we've learned so many things that are not um helpful to uh, living our best lives. And right now we're in a place where we're happy. We get to, you know, we do artwork together. You know, we, we plan trips together. We are doing a podcast together. We're doing so many things that I would have never imagined if I were thinking of my fairy tale Disney relationship. 
We're about to start producing a TV show together. We're about to start producing a TV show together. I mean, well, we're not going to talk about that yet. <laughs> we're not going to be on camera, so don't worry for those of you who don't think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be behind the we're scenes. We're gonna be behind the scenes, but it's exciting because there are it, once you let go of all of those expectations, of all of those ideals, of all of the things that a marriage is supposed to be, you get to experience freedom, freedom, and endless possible. Like there are so many possibilities. Our life can take us anywhere at this point because we're not attached to what this relationship is supposed to look like. Yeah. Now we're just free, and that's what sovereign love is right because that's what that's what society says right like what is a relationship supposed to look like you're supposed to get married you're supposed to have two kids two cars two jobs go on vacations once a year like that's what society says you should be financially stable who made that up who decided that who decided that we can't live in a tiny home made out of a dumpster if we want to <laughs> like yeah who, who says we can't live in the Amazon? Who says we can't do whatever we want? That's freedom. When you're free to be able to do anything, right? Instead of feeling like, oh, well, I have to go to work every day and come home from work and you make dinner and we eat dinner and we talk a little bit and we then go to bed and wake <laughs> up and do it all over again. And I think it's really um, fascinating, right? This this idea that we have um, society has created this model for what a relationship is supposed to look like, and it fails so many times. <laughs> you know what else society says? That the new wife is not supposed to be friends with the old wife. <laughs> exactly. That there's supposed to be tension there, and you know what? We broke that paradigm too. Yeah, and that you're not friends with your ex and it's hard to co-parent and it's it's fighting and it's constant aggravation and that's not the case with us so um i welcome all of the struggles we've had to go through because we've gotten to a place where we're free of all of these expectations all of these structures <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i know it's, it can be a problem i'm that way too Kissing is my love language. So, yeah, I get that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, again, it's whatever works, right? If, if your husband doesn't need you to kiss him before you go have your alone time, then that's not, you know, that's not necessary. <laughs> oh, good. We're glad, Marina. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We're glad that we touched somebody at least. No, we had a couple of good comments. So we appreciate that. It was, I feel a lot better. I don't feel exhausted and heavy like I did at the Great. beginning of the show. So thank you all for being part of my therapy session because that's kind of what I said to her before we went on. She was like, well, what are we going to talk about? This is a little bit, you know, messy. We don't, we usually have an outline. I just made, scribbled some notes right before we came on the air. But <laughs> I was like, honestly, I just feel like I have to get this stuff off my chest mm -hmm. and we just kind of will intuitively work through it. And you guys can kind of see the process live in action um yeah so yeah i mean i I, and i think that it helps to have community to have groups of, of friends that we can have these conversations with yeah. um my best friend is coming into town tomorrow and we get to do a lot of work when she's around <laughs> she's like our boot camp instructor 
but we get to be super vulnerable with her and it's always helpful to have like an, an outside set of eyes mm -hmm. that can say all right I see where you are misinterpreting this or I see where you might be like misunderstanding the situation and let's like be objective about it and and figure it out. So it's always great to have community. We're so grateful that you guys join us, share your comments um, and you know, we always welcome your your comments, your tips, your ideas, your questions. Um, we really, really appreciate it. We are excited to be able to share our process as we, you know, liberate ourselves from all of the things that keep us in these thought prisons, if you know, yeah. like that, that's really what it is. And the whole concept of this sovereign love stream is to help others also recognize where you're trapped. A lot of us are trapped on a daily basis and we want to liberate ourselves. We want freedom from the government, but a lot of times the most oppressive person in your life is yourself. And so we're happy to share some of the tools that have helped us liberate ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Whoo. Well, thanks for joining us. Before you go, though, please give us a like on social media. Help us spread the word. If you found this um, you know, useful or you were touched by this, share it. Maybe some of your friends might find it interesting, too, and um, you know, may get some benefit from it. So we're on all the major <clears throat> we're on all the major um, social media sites like Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. YouTube, of course, a lot of you are probably watching this on YouTube, but I also like to talk about minds.com and float app right now on the big social media sites like Facebook and YouTube, they are openly just openly saying they're going to censor certain content. Um, like especially with the, what they consider to be anti-vaxxer content. Um, they were censoring posts about vitamin C helping COVID. So, um, Minds.com and Float App are two social media networks that do not censor and they do not sell your information um, like to, especially to government the way Facebook does. So check them out. We're on there. Like us, give us a follow. We'd appreciate that. And again, you know, if you feel like you got any value out of this show, it'd be great if you could share it. Thanks so much for joining us. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you. Have a happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Love Stream podcast. Please subscribe now and join us bi-weekly on Sundays at SovereignLoveStream.com for our live video broadcast. Please check out our social media on censorship-free platforms like Minds.com, Float.app, and Odyssey.com. Find links to all of our social media at SovereignLoveStream.com. If you would like to support our show with an energy exchange, visit us at patreon.com slash sovereign love stream. Thank you for listening.